said, my name is Emily. My son Aiden and I have been attending CCSC for the last five years. And I just want to preface my story um, by saying that there might be parts that sound vague or as though they're missing key details. This is not for the purpose of sounding overly mysterious or to keep you wondering. It's simply to protect the people in my life who didn't say yes to standing up here today. And I thank you for your understanding in that. Um, for as long as I can remember, similarly to what you just heard, God has been a part of my life. I also grew up in a loving Christian home. Bible studies, church, church activities, they were just what I knew and what I did. I'm acutely aware now of the blessing it was and still is to have parents who desire for me to know how much I'm loved by Jesus. They've been a constant support and a pivotal part in my faith walk. In addition to my church life, I attended a variety of faith-based schools all the way from kindergarten until I graduated high school. Fun fact, one of those schools was a Calvary Chapel in Dana Point, California. <laughs> However, the day that Jesus became my choice, not just my routine in life, was in second grade at Saddleback Covenant Christian in Southern California. During religion class one morning, my teacher asked if um, we would raise our hands if we'd like to say a prayer and accept Jesus into our hearts. And like I just mentioned, all I knew at that point in my life was Jesus. And so with all the might my second grade heart could hold, I accepted Jesus into my heart that day. I repeated the prayer after her, and that's the day my walk with Jesus officially began. It was in 2002, at the age of 19, that I went on my first missions trip to Romania with a group from my church. While I had taken several missions trips to Mexico as a young child with my parents, this was the first time I had made my choice to go on my own. It's important that I tell you also at this point in time, I was actually scheduled to move to New York and take a job as a nanny for a film director, but that job fell through last minute and this was the beginning of God shifting my heart in a different direction. This initial trip was only two weeks long. Our group worked with a local church to lead summer camps for hundreds of children who had gathered from local orphanages. We organized games, arts, worship, prayer times, and teaching. This experience began uncovering a desire that I believe I had, had always lived within me, but was being drawn out in God's timing. Upon return from Romania, I went about my life as usual. I returned to school and work. And a few months later, I took an impromptu trip to London to visit my best friend. To my surprise, as I sat in a theater waiting for Les Miserables to begin, I heard a very clear voice flow through my head. Go live in Romania. It felt peculiar, but also certain. It wasn't to be ignored. Immediately upon arrival home, I talked with my parents about what had happened. I knew I needed to explore this further. That being the case, I proceeded to reach out to the Romanian pastor who had led our missions trip, as well as a director from one of the orphanages who I had stayed in contact with. This was the beginning of inquiring about what it might look like for me to spend an extended amount of time living and volunteering in an orphanage in Fultichin. There was some initial trepidation from the pastor in Romania, 
as well as the pastor from my home church. In all fairness, I was a 20-year-old theater major from Southern California who had spent two weeks in Romania. <laughs> Did I really know what I was getting myself into? <laughs> However, the feeling of which I couldn't name at the time remained constant. I knew what I had heard and that this was where I was supposed to be. I didn't have a stronghold over the idea, but a peace and a patience to ride out the doubts. As I reflect back now, I realize I was dipping my toes into what it meant to discern the voice of God in my life. The day I arrived at the airport in Bucharest remains vivid in both my thoughts and my feelings. I was overly tired, I didn't understand the language, and I immediately began to question this decision. But God's grace was evident. I met up with another volunteer who happened to be arriving on the same day, did speak Romanian, and got us to where we needed to go. The transition into this country was not without its hurdles and feelings of homesickness. However, over the course of the next several months, I went with the flow of what was asked of me and learned to trust in a deep way where God was leading. Upon arrival at the orphanage, I was asked if I could teach English. I replied, I could figure it out. Little did I know at the time what a significant role this would play in my life. Along with the day-to-day -day tasks that were delegated to me, God provided sweet times with a small group of high school girls. We shared meals together, went to church together, asked questions about God and the Bible, which we dug into and answered together. It was a season of learning as I went. And while I was living on the grounds shared with hundreds of kids, it was the most time I had ever spent alone. I learned to lean on, sorry. I learned to lean on Jesus and about the heart of Jesus in ways that I had never been challenged to prior to this time. He gave me courage to face authority figures. I received the gift of tongues. I even cried differently and deeper. Throughout this season, I returned several times to that moment in the theater in London to the simple words, go live in Romania. They were my lifeline to trusting God over and over and over again throughout my time there. Indeed, I spend so much time reflecting on this period of life in Romania because it really was a pivotal shift and opening to my faith journey. I went from a young girl whose dream was to be an actress to one who wanted to seek out more opportunities like the one I had just experienced. In all honesty, I don't even believe I, I knew why at the time. Evidently, now 20 years later, as I reflect back, while I had believed in God since I was a child, this was the moment that my personal relationship with Jesus began. I know that those moments drew me close to the heart of God, and I didn't and still don't want to be anywhere else. In the years that followed my time in Romania, I traveled with different churches, ministries, organizations to countries around the world to love on people in the name of Jesus. God used each experience to stretch me in new ways, open my eyes a little more, and continue molding my heart uniquely for his plans. Though this period of time held a significant part in shaping my life, it was also a very confusing time. I would travel overseas, immerse myself in a new culture, 
with new people, I felt purpose, clarity, and what seemed like drastic changes in my heart, only to come home and realize that everything was just as I had left it. It was disorienting, and I did not make the transitions gracefully. I was constantly struggling to find where I fit, and like a chameleon, I would change my colors depending on who I was surrounded by at the moment. I jumped at every ministry opportunity overseas because ultimately that is where I felt the most myself, rooted in God's love, something I had not settled into at home in the States, at least not yet. For the sake of time, I'm going to fast forward ahead several years to 2008. I found myself back in Romania. This time, newly married, five months new, to be exact. And I just found out I was pregnant with our son. At the same time, I also received some news that significantly changed the reality of the life I thought I was living. It catapulted me into a period I refer to as my season of waiting. I didn't see it coming and I felt blindsided. However, the part of my heart that I would like to share with you today in regards to this is not the what I am waiting for, but more importantly, how God has revealed himself and carried, cared for my heart in the waiting. Even as I was writing this out, God brought to my attention that the very place where he taught me how to lean on him and trust in him in a deep way was the very place that I was receiving this news. That is a perfect example of the way Jesus has consistently reminded me that I'm not walking this journey alone. The last 15 years have been a tug of war between choosing God and choosing my flesh. I'm not able to stand up here and tell you that years, that the years of waiting have a beautiful ending. However, what I am able to say is how God has met me during this time and the beautiful, and let's be honest, sometimes ugly cry type of moments this journey has held. He continues to guide me on it. It began birthing itself in 2014 when feelings of curiosity about the idea of stillness with Jesus were stirring within me. Each day after I dropped my son off at school, I would go across the street to a park where I would sit on a rock by the river. I clumsily and distractedly found my way to an opening and stillness in the presence of Jesus. I usually began each time with a prayer app this would lead into stillness, a lot of times crying, but always to feeling lavished upon with love from the Holy Spirit. Because what was true then and is still true now is that the longer I sit at the feet of Jesus, the clearer his still small voice becomes in my everyday life and the more honest I have become in my prayers and conversations with him. Because here's the thing about my testimony. I didn't have a rock bottom awakening. In fact, nothing about my journey with Jesus has been like a crashing symbol or a bright, brilliant flash. It's been years of sitting and listening to him tell me who I am. It's been making this space in my heart to see clearly what he puts right in front of me. 
As the years go on and my waiting feels unseen and unanswered, I've gotten real with God. I've been in a crumpled ball on my closet floor, crying out, asking why. Been tempted to grow numb in my waiting. I've even threatened on more than one occasion to walk away and abandon the waiting altogether. Let me be clear, not to abandon God or my faith, but to abandon what he asked me to do. In all of these moments of waiting and stillness, he has been growing and perfecting a love language uniquely fit to my soul. It looks a lot like a car ride to the grocery store, where in my head I'm asking if he ever intends to answer my prayers. And then I go through the checkout line only to receive words of encouragement and validation that I'm seen from a cashier who has never met me. It's escaping on a silent retreat because I'm weary and just need the freedom to cry, only to have a woman barge into my silence and pray the exact words my heart felt, but I couldn't speak. It's standing at the edge of an overlook in Selwood, wondering if God will give me what I need to then look to my right to see a bald eagle sitting on a tree, reminding me of the verse God gave me over a dozen times in the last several years. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. The truth is that I could fill an entire hour, maybe more, with stories of the way God has used complete strangers, relatives, nature, out-of-the-blue packages in the mail, Bible verses, books, songs, friends' dreams, in order to let me know that I'm seen, I'm loved, I'm his, and who I am in trusting his plan and his timing is not wrong. But we know we don't have time for all those stories, so I will press on. <laughs> that time that I spent waiting in stillness on the rock by the river led me to pursuing further education in teaching English as a second language, just like I had been asked to do so many years ago in Romania. That led to a job at an international English school where I met a woman who is my soul sister, a steadfast prayer warrior, and an encourager as we wait together. I'm now the interim director for a nonprofit that was founded as a ministry to share the love of Jesus with immigrants and refugees here in Portland through the offering of teaching English as a second language. I tell you all this because when I'm tempted to ask God if he's ever going to show up in the way I want him to, I can look back and even look around now and see God's undeniable presence and love for me as he continues to weave the story of my life. Even if I go to be with him never having seen what my heart waits for, I can stand up here and confidently say God has cared for my heart in the most intimate of ways. And I believe that's his desire for all of us. In closing, I'm trusting his timing, relying on his grace, and sitting with open hands to receive his peace. I'm now rooted in Jesus, no matter what continent I'm on. And I'd like to share one last thing with you. About a year and a half ago, I began a school program for a work in a specific ministry, 
And a year ago, disguised as a homework assignment, God gave me a prayer for my waiting. I'd love to share that prayer with you in closing today. And I think it's going to be up here. Yes. Grace. In the questions, in the quiet, in the waiting, in the weary, in the confusion, in the mess, in the feelings, in the disappointment, in praying, in listening, in rest, in surrender, in beauty, to be. Amen. Thank you so much. One of the things that I love about Testimony Sundays is hearing how lives are changed. Amen? And what God can do with a surrendered heart. And these stories are not unique. I, I hope you understand that as, as the worship team comes up. I hope we understand that we each have a story, his story, a piece of history, spiritual history that can change a person's life. And God intends us to share those stories with each other. And today, as you gather with friends and family, I know many people are going to be celebrating New Year's Eve together. I pray that you would take opportunities to tell a piece of his story in your life. Because they can change people. They can transform us.